I can't believe it's Friday night. It happens every single night. Not every night, but every once a week it happens to become Friday night. And I get too excited about it because it's Tech Vibe Radio. It's great. We I got a it. great guest in the house tonight. Yeah, we're jumping right in. We're jumping right in. We can't mess around. We can't. You can laugh all you want. But we have Tasha Gideon here from Vera. I mean, come on, Tasha. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it's Friday. What's going on? It is. So tell us Same about Vera. Every week. Yeah. Tell us about Vera. We're, we're, we're curious. You just came into town recently. Thank yeah, you. you just whirled right just in. Kind of whirled right in, right? Every Friday. Yeah, every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are. We're trying to figure out what are you doing? What am yeah. I doing here? Um, I'm trying to figure out the same thing. No. no. Um, <laughs> so thank you for asking. So we're a New York-based growth agency that just expanded into Pittsburgh. Right. And we love Pittsburgh. There's a lot going on here that is extremely special. It's a dynamic environment, as they say, with a lot going on, a lot of established companies, a lot of uh, startups, tech companies, all kinds of stuff happening. So we're really excited. You saw that happening. You're like, we got to move into Pittsburgh. Basically, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what I want to hear. So we're... <laughs> He's so easy to please. I'm just saying. If I just think you need a little they're... more energy. Him. Where does... That's why he cannot <laughs> have any kind of caffeine. Really? No. One of those people. That's all I have is caffeine. Yeah. That's we have to rip it out of his hand. <laughs> like, lower it. Uh-huh. Lower it. You got lower it. it. You know, one of those people who has caffeine and falls asleep. Ooh, is that you? You fall asleep no. drinking coffee? No. Oh. I, I'm asking for a friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> asking for, well, we can say. <laughs> so I'm excited about this because Verisol Pittsburgh is a place that wanted to expand because yes. of the activity that's going on here. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So you, how long have you been in, in, in the region for now? Ah, well, uh, the agency's been here for about two years, but okay. yeah, we've been checking it out for about four. Gotcha. So you're okay. in town. Right? So you're on the ground. On the ground. And so tell us about your company. Sure. So a growth agency is an agency that, you know, if you looked under the phone book when people had phone books, <laughs> maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> no. Um, back in the day, we had these books. They were usually yellow, but you would probably see us listed under a marketing Marketing. Gotcha. But a growth agency is an agency that thinks about marketing and sales hand in hand. We gotcha. like to work with um, owner-operated companies, small to mid-size. And so they're not the Coca-Colas of the world. So. Not yet. <laughs> not you yet. want to make them the Coca-Colas but they, of the world, right? No, no not necessarily. Um, what a growth agency is, is an agency that thinks about sales. So these small to mid-sized companies are not that interested in having things like brand exposure. That has no metrics we can tie to it. So mm-hmm. also as an agency. Metrics, metrics, metrics. Yeah. So we like to think about things like lead generation, customer acquisition, exactly. lifetime value, things that you can put on a balance sheet or an income right. sheet. And we can tie our own value to that. So now with technology, we have a lot of ways to demonstrate value. Exactly. So. Um, and we're seeing companies asking for things like sales enablement from us more and more. Because for sure. So, like, Jonathan and I have an idea. Okay. We do. It's and we've never been able to launch it. Uh-huh. And we've never been able oh, to no. make it. You're going to bring it up. And oh. we've never been able to produce it. But Here we it think we're on to something. We I are. can't wait to hear. So, would we be your potential client? It's hermetically sealed nacho, robotic nacho arms. Are the arms made out of nachos? No. no. That would be tasty. This is for people who have OCD, <laughs> uh-huh. and they might not want anyone to dip. You go to the ballpark. In the same ah, dip. You go to the ballpark, you. and you got people scooping nachos. I want a robot to serve me my nachos. Yeah, so put it into a, And then put it into a container so where let's everything just is say, So let's just say it works. 
Uh-huh. Let's just say it's a pretty good idea, and we got a few customers. <laughs> I just, I'm still picturing arms made out of nachos, but no arms. <laughs> no, I do with understand. The nacho holder. Gotcha. Dip it in. That's a lot more and, viable than yes. right. Unless you can make that. Your arms with so what? What might? What are some of the things you might do? The kind of questions or support that you might do for us? Because we got to focus on customers, right? <laughs> she can't stop laughing. That's what I think is the best part. How can you? Yeah. <laughs> Use case for nacho arms. Now, okay. we've been trying to build this company for 10 years now, I realize. <laughs> you sunk all of your savings into we it. Have. We did. It's uh-huh. getting ridiculous. Really? I've got like okay. 23 bucks into this thing. <laughs> it's killing me. But I think, all kidding aside, you are working with people like mm-hmm. us. Right. Who have this idea. We know that, you know, mm-hmm. it may not turn into a Coca-Cola, but we mm-hmm. think we're on to something. Right. So, typically, when we're dealing with startups, mm-hmm. the biggest thing we ask them is not just what they want to do, but like, Part of our job is to help them to stop doing things. Yeah. They usually have limited right. resources. They have limited time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a side gig or they have a side gig that's supporting this right. effort. That's a good point. So part of it is being efficient with your resources. Mm-hmm. So we do talk to them. A lot of times we're just asking them to, you know, first step, let's take an inventory of what strengths you can play to. Do you have an amazing Rolodex? Are you an incredible social marketer? You know, that mm-hmm. you want to play to people's strengths always, but especially in a startup environment, you want to make sure that you're That's a good point. using um, Your what assets. they already have. Right. Yeah. So you don't want to create a plan for someone who, you know, it could be the ideal plan for someone who had, for example, a total hookup at the at the you know ballpark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's different than somebody who is an in- incredible at um uh, presenting things in front of mm-hmm. people or right. someone who is great at Instagram, you know. So, so that's great. That's you're really helping people sort of at the most basic level to understand what their capabilities are and trying to drive that into the strategy for their growth. Yeah, I think it's it's never a good thing to apply, um, you know, rules of thumb necessarily to right. everybody, you know. Right. Um, and I see that a lot happening with uh, startups where, you know, all you need to do is, which is my favorite phrase, all you need to do is have a great <laughs> idea right. and then just market it and then people will come. Well, that's a really broad statement and that can mean a lot of things, but how are you going to use what you already have to the best advantage? Because most of these startups do not have Coca-Cola money. They do not. Right. Or yeah. Coca-Cola People, but you know, Vera, time. but Vera can be their secret sauce to really scaling things so, up and moving yeah. things. Well, what what, what like kinds of services? So if people are listening mm-hmm. and they're saying, "Okay, <laughs> let's hope they are," <laughs> but as people are listening, mm-hmm. if they're listening and they have questions, mm-hmm. what might what should they be thinking about? Why it's a good fit to reach out to you? Well, for one thing, one thing we're really good at is um, really understanding the owner-operated business, whether it is a startup or an established business. We do best when we're dealing directly with decision makers. We do not deal well with being endlessly in committee mm-hmm. or having a thousand approvals. Right. Um, we really like to work with people who want to get stuff done, so you kind of have to be serious. We don't work with everybody. Um, we um, consider that sort of introductory period of talking to people. We're interviewing them as much mm-hmm. as they're interviewing us because we want to have accounts for the long haul. So it right. has to be a good fit. So part of it is just do you actually want to get something done? Is a big qualifying right. question. Do you for us. want to move the needle? Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In your in your website with vera.com. Yes, thank you for that. Correct. It, it actually it really represents the types of sites that you can build for folks. We do a lot which of are highly engaging, very interactive, like uh, 
visually just stunning. Thank you so much. Just saying you We're go proud there. of it. Exactly. It so go to Vera.com, check it out, and <laughs> reach you. out. Don't be shy because... Yeah, you can schedule 15 minutes with me right on the website. That's what I'm talking about. So go do that. Anyhow, we got to go to break. We have a whole Tech Vibe radio show in front of us. We have the Parks Foundation stopping by to talk about the poor in the park next Friday. We're very excited about We have Jason Lang from Bloomboard talking about his TEDx talk. Do you need to go to college? We're going to find that out. And we have Ashley Blanchetti from Bank of New York Mellon. This is Jonathan Kirshning. And this is Audrey Russo. Welcome back, everybody. So glad you are spending your Friday night with us here on Tech Vibe Radio. And as you know, the technology community, it's not just tech companies. It's the great outdoors. It's the quality of life that makes it happen here. And I would say Allegheny County has some of the best quality of life because of our parks. And dare I say in particular, our county parks. Ooh, wow. Just saying, absolutely. So we have a guest who's actually, it's been almost two years since we've had Karen Glotfelty here on the show. And she, yeah, Karen. Yeah. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks the, for being here. The executive director of the Allegheny County Parks Foundation, of which I'm also a board member of. Very excited to be part of this awesome organization because they're making our parks accessible and fun to go to. Yeah, I'd like to up. get an update on what's yeah. happening here. So, Karen, we're glad you're here. Thanks, oh, Karen. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you want to know a little bit about what the Allegheny County Parks Foundation has been doing? Yes, Absolutely. please. All right. Well, you know, one of the things that we've been able to bring to the county park system is uh, an appreciation of the natural assets of the park and the wildlife in the parks. The The county's done a great job over the years of um, creating recreational opportunities for people. The trails are looking better. We've got a lot of improvements going on in the skating rinks and the swimming pools and the wave pools and the tennis courts and all of that. Wait, there's wave pools up there? There are oh, wave pools. Many a wave pool. Yeah, I think there are three wave pools in Multiple the parks. There's pools. one at Settler's Cabin, one at South Park, one yep. at Is there Boys one park. where no kids can go in? No. And just adults? No. But you know, on the last day of the season, they let everybody come in with their dogs. I know. What? I know that. Yeah. that I know. Because they can't <laughs> clog the that. filter at that point, right? Yeah, I know. Exactly, exactly. My dog hates water. Gracie doesn't Gracie, like water. No, Gracie would be like, you know, one toe in, one toe out. That's yeah. Nuts. So, so you know, and of course, we're we're uh, our mission is to help the county by raising private dollars to add to tax dollars to to improve the parks and, great. and you know keep adding things to them. But we observed that um, nature wasn't being taken care of it's as true. well as it it could be. So we worked with the Western Pennsylvania Conservancy to do some assessments of some of the parks. We hope to do all of them to look at the condition of the trees and stormwater runoff and uh, invasive species of plants and to figure out how could we better take care of the natural parts of the parks. So that has led us to some uh, cool projects. We've been planting meadows in a couple of the parks, taking some of the turf grass away on really steep hillsides where who needs to cut all that grass yeah you can have a beautiful meadow there that takes care of itself and nobody uses the really steep grassy areas so why not convert them into something a little different change the landscape up a little bit in the parks attract more bees and birds and butterflies and and create kind of a a nicer landscape to walk through there'll be mowed paths really wide through these meadows walk through it what is your background how did you get into this oh well i have a master's degree in environmental planning from the university of pennsylvania that's what brought me to pennsylvania i grew up in california oh Wow. And, uh, and you I, stayed here. Yeah. I, that was nice. a long time ago, <laughs> several decades ago. Wow, I, that's I, great. I worked for state government for a long time, okay. and then I worked uh, at Penn State for five years, and then I came to Pittsburgh to work for 
philanthropy. I spent 13 years at the Heinz Endowments, and then I got asked to lead the Allegheny County Parks Department. Uh, not department, but found the foundation. Parks. Oh, it's hard. Uh, lots of words. That was parks a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> Allegheny County Parks no, Foundation about four years ago. Yeah, and and so these par- this is all Allegheny County, right? All Allegheny County. None of the county parks are in the city of Pittsburgh. Right. But there are nine of them, 12,000 acres of land, kind of ringing the city. So Exactly. They yeah, just surround They surround the city. Because our city parks are fantastic as well. Yes, they are. But we have 10 times the size exactly. of the county park system as the city park system. And the occasional bear. Actually, <laughs> no. You know, Jonathan, what? When I was on your show two years ago, exactly. and you asked me if there were bears in the parks, exactly. I said, ah, I'm not sure. You looked into it, right? I looked into yeah. it. And actually, North Park does have bears wandering through it. In yep. North Park? Right North near? Park. Candy wow. North Park. As far as the county knows, they don't actually hibernate there. They just there. cross through. They're just moving through. Right, they're moving so, but through. But they're occasionally They're silent. stopping off yeah. at a party. They're stopping it's a, off Having a little drink. It's 100% safe and good oh. to go to North Park. There's yes, no worries. Absolutely. No worries. Absolutely. They don't really bother people. Right. Um, and I understand that a tree was mauled by a bear in Round Hill Park. Really? That's in the far southern, southern part, part of right. the county. I ride my bike so, there And again, time. perfectly safe. They haven't killed any no, of the nothing farm What's wrong with them there? mauling a tree? They need that to sharpen they need their claws. Sharpen their right. claws. Yeah. Right. They didn't really kill the tree or anything. Right. But, okay. but they knew there was a bear in the park because Based on they, that. Saw they saw the, the marks, marks on the, on the tree. tree. Exactly. Yeah. So, Karen, I'm really excited because next week... Next Friday, a week from today, on the 11th of May, is the Poor in the Park in South Park. Now, we've had two of those in North Park, which are fantastic. And that's where there's beer vendors and food vendors. So right. in South Park, like yeah. exactly where is that? So the location in South so Park is... So South Park is um, kind of straddling the boundary of the township of South Park. Right, and Bethel Park. And Bethel and, Park. Exactly. So okay. you're down Route 88. Down Route 88, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. But the Pour in the Park is a great, great fun event. We get to sample some of the great local beers and some great local food, and all the proceeds go to the park. And you get to experience South Park as well, too, because you're right there in the park. So what are some of the needs? Tell us about some of the needs that you have. The needs in in the the park? park? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we've got some exciting projects we're working on. One is there's an old swimming pool in South Park that was built in the 30s. That's mm. uh, kind of a prairie-style, rock-lined set of pools that was used as a swimming pool. As many as 10,000 people a day could swim in there. They would feel like they were in Yellowstone. It Pretty was much, That kind right. of environment. So you're going to redo that? We're, we're hoping to. We're doing some studies now wow. to figure out how can stages. we restore it and bring some different mix of uses to South Park. Because there's really no right now, kind of center yeah. of South Park. There are a lot of things to do in the park, but there's no kind of, you know, town center or That park would be center. the crown jewel of South Park. And that would be right. the place that would attract people. So might what, have a little cafe there. And So what like is that. your yeah. most favorite park in the world? In the world. whole world yeah. or in Allegheny County? World. In the world. Um, Yosemite. Ah, uh, that would be my Yosemite. answer, too. That's my I favorite have to park. say that, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But the Allegheny County Parks, one of our board members grew up in, in the South Hills and he went to Boy Scout camp when he was a young man in South Park, 
And he says he felt like he was in Montana. I love it. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I'm sure it's Yeah, amazing. that's how he imagined Montana. Montana. Would be. There were buffalo. There still are buffalo. There are. There. The buffalo hump. Yeah, and he swam in the in the swimming pool that we want to bring back. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. This is why it's so exciting that's because so this is the fun. quality of life that Pittsburgh has. It's just a short little drive to any of our nine county parks, and you can enjoy the great outdoors. So trees are so important. Right. Yes, I mean, absolutely. They're important to the particulate issue that we have. Should we all be planting trees every day, all summer? Is there anything that we can do to contribute? Well, sure. We have been planting trees in many of the parks based on the recommendations that came out of our ecological plans. Right. And we've had some volunteer days. And if anybody is interested in volunteering right. for okay. tree planting, let us know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So any tree planners out there, people who love parks, yeah. what, how would they reach you? Go on they, to... could, uh, they could go on our website, www.acparksfoundation.org. Exactly. Okay. And what I really want to encourage people to do is you need to go to pouratthepark.com to get your tickets. I heard it was amazing up for, in North for Park. This, right? Yeah, and the North Park event's going to be in September, so that's coming that's back right. in September. So there's That'll be our third one in North Park. It's like the bookend of yeah. a great like summer that. right Yeah, there. Yeah, it's going to be in the museum building in South Park because, you mm-hmm. know, we can't be sure on May 11th what the weather's going to be It could like. snow. But you know, the bear will have a little snow. dusting of snow on their fur, <laughs> and, 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 and it might be too cold. The bear might make an appearance. They might. You, know. you never know. But you never yeah. know. But it's a good call to have it there, because that way everyone can be ensured a really good time. So just go to pouratthepark.com and really learn more about the parks in general. And use them. Go out there and hang out. Take a walk. Play some tennis. Do whatever you want to do. Lots be outside. Lots to do. Lots Absolutely. to do. Karen, thanks so for great. stopping Thank by you for show. your leadership. Thank yeah, you. We Thank love you it. for having me. Great, great stuff. I, I feel like I need to leave the show now and go like ride my bike in a park. So go. I'm, I am. I'm leaving right now. Closing the door. You take care of the rest of the show. <laughs> there's Easy. Still, there's still plenty, bye of daylight, bye. still plenty of daylight left. Let me see. We're in Green Tree. What's the closest park I could get to right now? I could go out to Settler's uh, Cabin right now. Right. I think, yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. See you guys later. <laughs> and we're taking a quick break. We've got a lot more Tech Vibe Radio right in front of you. I swear. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. From the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. So glad you are listening to Tech Vibe Radio tonight. We bring the best and the brightest, making Pittsburgh pop and do all of its great stuff. Every single Friday night, and we can't help it. It just happens. Yeah, well, you got to stay tuned right. for this guy. We yeah. have... <laughs> Jason Lang in the house from Bloomboard. Yeah. So Welcome. Thanks for having me. Super excited Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely. Glad yeah. to have you back. It's been a while. It so, has. I, yeah, knew that, so I knew how to get here. Yeah, get- you knew where to go. Second floor. <laughs> came to the studio. You knocked twice. We looked at the thing. Let you in. It's all good. It's all good. So what's the pitch? Talk about Bloomboard. Yeah. Give your, give your elevator pitch and then we're going to dive in. So we are a competency-based certification and learning platform for teacher certification. So right now as a teacher... You don't have a lot of options to sort of improve your up your salary schedule. You can go back and get a master's degree. Right. You can sort of get a bunch of credit hours that you sort of sit in a seat and don't really do anything. Those mm-hmm. are the best. I love those. Yeah. Well, don't you have to do a minimum of those every year? Yeah. So it's right. like a, usually it's like 150 hours over five years Whoa. that they that sort of collect. In in total, every year teachers submit about 100 million hours of time Whoa. to states. For a recertification. And you guys track all that, right? So what we do is we're trying to effectively sort of replace that credit hour system okay. with a competency with a, system. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It says if you actually knew if those, it, no one knows, no, not a single state superintendent, no one knows if any of those hours actually change practice. Yeah, does well, it, right. is, is it effective? Right. So here's the deal. Sometimes I can lecture and people get credit. That's right. 
<laughs> so, and you can take basket weaving or you can take an online course and watch Game of Thrones right. and get credit. That and sounds so like my kind of class. Then. You know, and it's, it's a lot of people's kind I want to be a teacher now. But it's out. not like that for other degrees. No. Isn't that interesting? So, like, I've done it for lawyers. Mm-hmm. I've done it for accountants. Yep. And there's a lot of stringency in some in those. That's right. And so our world is is trying to move that hourly model to an outcome-based mm-hmm. model that says teachers do a ton of work in their classrooms. Right. They they do all sort they create all sorts of evidence of practice. And so if they can take that evidence of practice and submit it into a system that gives them sort of a micro credential for mm-hmm. a specific skill that says, "Yep, you demonstrated right. this good lesson planning, this good these good right. classroom management skills," you can then have a third-party reviewer review it and say, "Yep, that teacher actually produced that evidence, demonstrated competency to that skill, and then that's what gives them their licensure, their certification. So that, did wow. you wake up one day saying, this is what I want to build? Yeah. No. Yeah, I was so gonna we, say, how did this evolve? How did this happen? It really evolved. So we, we did, when I was in grad school, so I did this joint degree at, at Stanford in the business school and the School of Ed, solely focused on ed tech. And it was very clear that the teacher training problem was one of the biggest, most glaring problems that no one was trying to address. Hmm. And it's probably one of the biggest places for potential impact. Because right. if you can solve how to create at scale really great teachers, you solve all sorts of problems down the road. Definitely. Right. Education Absolutely. And so the idea was sort of what does that take? And so we've built a bunch of different versions of that. And about three, four years ago, people started talking about competency-based learning for kids. And this whole idea of what the future of education for students is not about what did you get in your algebra class, right? Or what did you sort of pass in some random class that you sat in, right? Or even what college courses did you take? Huh. And if, if you ask anybody sort of off the street, like what actual practical value did you get from your college course load? It's, if you tie it out to what your current profession is, there are a lot of mismatch and a lot of sort of just sort of dead time mm-hmm. that maybe you learned something or maybe you just, you know, sort of played video games and skipped class. Like it really varies a ton. And so this whole idea that, Students are starting to move towards competency-based learning, and so what would what it would look like to move teachers to competency-based learning? And if you can change the licensure and the structures for how people are employed and how people move up their salary schedule, it's a ton more empowering. It's a ton more personalized, right? It lets teachers actually think about where they're going in their careers because they can have a, a mental model that says, "Oh, I'm a I'm a new teacher right now. These are the ten competencies or skills I really need to do well to be a really great new teacher, and then I want to go into." really focusing on SPED kids. And so what are the actual competencies associated with working with special education kids? I can find those, those take those classes. I can yeah. find those. I can go go engage in learning about that and then demonstrate those skills in my classroom. And it's just a much, it actually anchors people in the right conversations about what practice looks like yeah. rather than sort of how many credit hours am I getting to get for sitting in my seat. So you build Bloomboard to do this. And what I love the best is a couple of years ago, you kind of moved here to Pittsburgh from sunny Silicon Valley. From Silicon Valley. Yeah. And all the joys. Yeah, all the joys. What were you thinking? <laughs> Silicon Valley is a, I mean, it is a lovely and it is a crazy place in terms of sure. perspective. It is an, it is, I think it's an impossible place to raise normal kids. There you go. <laughs> Most importantly. So you mean we have a whole generation coming out behind. It's not just, it's not just millennial kids. It's oh, like yeah. this it's whole microcosm. Very, and it's, it's really hard because there isn't the diversity and the sort of cost of living and just the cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Right. If, Right. It just it changes the entire thought process about like what a dollar is. Exactly. And what does it take to live and sort of what does that look like? And so that was always pretty uncomfortable for my wife and we have, we have four kids, uh, seven and below. 
And so the, having twins was sort of this big accelerator. And you were on the show just before your wife had the twins. I know. Oh, that is yeah. Right. yeah, I remember. You were still in the shock phase. You had to look a panic in your eyes. Yeah. Now yeah. we have now we have two terrible twos, which nice. is cool. Which is cool. <laughs> is it cool? Do you lock it. yourself in the bathroom and leave them out? Uh, there are times where you sort of, you know, I think they would just break down the door. Our, our little boy is a, he's a, we, we sort of call him Destructosaurus. Destructosaurus. That's awesome. Anything. I love it's it. It's crazy. But they're lovely and they're amazing. And they're hysterical, but it's just so, two two-year-olds. Is building this company, having all these kids, you have time to go do TED Talks. Yeah, so it's an interesting question. How does this happen? <sighs> and you had a really cool one about, do your kids really need to go to college? It is. So the, the, the whole TEDx process was fascinating. And I, had, I hadn't just get with all the demands of sort of trying to do it, because it's one of these things like it lives on in, right. in sort of perpetuity it does far for it is it's on youtube I, and i had not thought that i had so, okay, we're, we're talking to jason lang now bloomboard if you just tuned in and we're now jumping into his most recent ted tedx that occurred in wilmington delaware yeah and so the so the tedx folks uh were building an ed specific conference and we have one of our one of our state contracts was in delaware and we sort of had done a bunch of work with them and they had known that we were doing this mic wrenching sort of some innovative work huh. around this, this competency-based learning space so they t- reached out and said, you, would you be interested? Really? And it was sort of at the right timing. February is a little bit lower of a, you know, yeah. January, February is a little bit more of a downtime. And so I I think my wife is going to kill me given the amount of time and sort of obsession <laughs> that I had for right. it. But right. I just sort of spent, you know, a solid month just preparing for it, rewriting and rewriting. Right. And the, the the I think often when you sort of take on something like TED Talk, the question is like, how do you, how do you pick a topic that's going to be enough of a you know sort of lightning rod that's not sort of crazy but that like just sort of states the case and makes a pretty mm-hmm. good case of something of the way the world's going to change did a great job what's the tagline on youtube what does it say uh, so is college still worth it is college still worth it so is it worth I, it? i've got it i have had shared that with so many people like even friends that just come over for the weekend and they go oh my kids Love in 10th it. grade Thank now you. i go oh Wait, before you even say anything, before you even look to see your 529, before you even tell me <laughs> how much money it is, before you to, to do oh SATs, I want you to just look, shut up, and listen to this. Audrey, did you show it to anybody that his kids maybe just graduated? <laughs> well, I just, I actually have a close friend whose child is a senior oh, and no. wrestling with things. And so we watched it and discussed mm-hmm. it and dissected it. And then, it. of course, the piece that was so fascinating is that you have a double degree and you're talking about it so yeah. the question is okay well easy for him to say that yeah so it was one of the things i just wanted to like call out in the in the talk which is just i i realize that i have i mean as a pretty middle income average kid from chicago like right i have reaped a ton of benefits from going to yale and undergrad right. and going to stanford and grad school and like yeah. those networks are just so amazing right. and they they have led to vast majority of the the sort of success right. i've had have come from that and yet at the same time, I still look at that, having had that, and just think about where the world's moving. And hmm. sure, the top right. tier will always be the top tier, and their networks will always be amazing. But the reality is that the world's moving so fast, and the, the actual things that you can do and demonstrate, sort of the same model for teachers that we apply in sort of our world, the, what, the world, the portfolio you can build is so much more powerful nowadays than the actual transcript that you produce coming out of college. And it's so much easier to build stuff and to build companies right, and right, to right. Sort of start things and to build portfolios and to create things. The technology set the world but on But can too. you yeah. do that without those <clears throat> networks? I think you can because I think people, the, it is actually the thing, it's the stuff that you build that's the most powerful. And the moment the employers, what will start to happen, what's already started to happen, 
is the moment the employers come in and start to define the rules of what to build. So if Google says or LinkedIn says, here's what a great engineer looks like mm -hmm. in in you know in open source, go to GitHub, go to sort of whatever open source community, go build this project and show me how it works and why it works really well. That speaks volumes more Believe than it. any computer science curriculum in the country, wow. most computer science curriculums in the country right now. And that that is already starting. And so the moment that happens, the employers effectively can start to cut the schools, colleges out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And it's a big problem. Well, we for can school. feel it. Like you we, feel it's, it? a, it's an interesting thing because we can feel it. We can see these different kind of accelerators or educational like pieces of a puzzle. It, we haven't seen it in its entirety. That's right. But we definitely can see it and feel it. The question is, how do you keep the continuous learning component of that going for anyone? Whether you went to Yale, you went to Stanford, like me, you went to Syracuse, it doesn't matter. That's right. How do you keep that learning continuous? That's right. And it's going to matter for, for anyone. So this is relevant to college, obviously, given sort of the first job that students have. But this is now the case for, any, for anyone in any job. Right. Which is what you're doing in your current role is producing a set, a trail of artifacts and a trail of, of things that you've done and built that will become the baseline for sort of how your next job plays out. And so your ability to sort of think about what that portfolio needs to be, think about what that evidence is, right. and then be able to share that and show that, like every single hire we make now, we have people send us, what did you do? What did you build? Send right. us the one page, the last one Makes page sense. you did on this. Like, because that's the stuff mm -hmm. that you actually judge people on. And I couldn't tell you the last time I asked somebody about where they went to college. Wow. Because right. it matters. Right. Like, it doesn't I, matter. It like, doesn't really matter. That's exactly Because there right. are lots yeah. of really great people who right. went to very sort of, you know, middle-of-the-road colleges who right. produce amazing work. Exactly. And that's really the thing I think. So, and so what has surprised you about yeah. being a founder and starting a company? And we've got about a minute left. Give us oh, a small question for a minute. Exactly. Um, I think the, I, I think it's sort of trying to understand and think through the level of ambiguity and the pace of change that that in order to sort of really be strategic about the way the world is, you have to really be able to understand what that pace change is. Very much. And Jason. that creates a ton of demands on everything you do. Jason Lang from Bloomboard, you are the best, man. You're making us Go think about YouTube things. Go to YouTube and just Google Jason Lang TEDx Wilmington, Delaware. You'll yep. find it. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, we're taking a quick break. Coming right back. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate it. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. From the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at PGH Tech. Org. So glad you are hanging out with us tonight here on Tech Vibe Radio. Audrey, we bring the finest guests in, the smartest people in the world, hang out with us on a Friday night. They make us look smart. They make us look smart because mm -hmm. we, 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 their, their smartness rubs off on us. It's like a perfume. Okay, let's, I'm just let's, saying. let's meet our guest. <laughs> Audrey's like, enough of that. Before we get into some olfactory thing here that goes down a really bad slope. Technology smells great. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Okay, who do we have in the house tonight? So I'm Ashley Blanchetti, and I am joining you from BNY Mellon. Yeah. And my role there is actually a dual role. Um, I started with BNY Mellon about... Four years ago and uh, had worked my way up to a position of group manager of user experience. So, you know, my role included uh, managing our UX presence in the Pittsburgh offices. Mm -hmm. uh, but I actually just took on a new role at the end of December as head of our Pittsburgh Innovation Center. So what does that mean? Yeah. I know that there are innovation centers around the world, but what does it mean for Bank of New York Mellon here in Pittsburgh? Sure. So we have nine global innovation centers, and we're all focused on delivering financial services innovations. 
Uh, but the Pittsburgh Center uh, does have its own kind of theme and presence because it is located in Pittsburgh. So uh, the Pittsburgh Center is really focused on bringing technology and business stakeholders together in order to deliver better solutions for our clients. So what what does that mean? Can you give us any like examples of what that might be? Sure. So, you know, we really take the focus of our clients seriously. Um, so we make it a point to uh, really collaborate with our clients in the location. Um, our technology and business teams use that space uh, as a, a catalyst for bringing together um, kind of a co-creation mindset with our clients. So we may have them into the space for things like workshops um, that will set the stage for new uh, solutions and development. Uh, we also have a usability lab we call it the UX lab in our location mm -hmm. that's really focused on making sure we're getting feedback from our clients that can make its way back into the development life cycle and quickly release enhancements uh, that will make their lives better. So how do you work outside the walls of Bank of New York Mellon? Do you have partners like uh, the universities or? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I'm really focused on this year is um, driving more uh, meaningful engagements with our universities locally in Pittsburgh. Um, we have had some involvement in some uh, capstones mm -hmm. through local universities. Oh, and, you know, in the past, even before I took on the Innovation Center role, the, the center has really been uh, an important factor in our recruiting and retention. For I was going to say from a recruiting standpoint, you're talking about 32,000 square feet of coolness. All the way around. I Is mean, it 30? How do you know? Are you their landlord? I do my research. <laughs> I do my research. <laughs> it's a lot of space where some great stuff is going on. Yeah. I can't imagine wanting to leave work. I'd just sleep there. Some people do stay. Yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. do stay. So how many, how many folks are working in the Innovation Center? About 360 people Whoa. are considered um, residents, full-time residents of the floor. See, they do sleep there. They're residents. Oh, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. We pull out cots at the end exactly. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really sleep there. But and no. so what, what kind of skill level do the people have, the 300-plus people? Sure. So there, there's a mix of roles. Um, so, for example, um, my user experience team is based on that floor. Um, so even within that team, there's a broad range of roles, including UX designers, UX researchers, front-end developers, and visual designers. But then if you look more broadly at the full population of the floor, uh, a lot of the people there are, of course, software developers, software architects, but we also make it a point to bring in more diverse perspectives. So we have people from our business, product managers, um, operations analysts right. sit there as well. And really that creates an environment where um, our technologists who are focused on delivering the capabilities to our clients are able to directly collaborate right. with those broader roles that will bring a much better holistic point of view to what we're offering. So within five years, VNY, Mellon has really changed because many of those people were never on the inside as employees. They were usually consultants or they were people you had a particular project and you're trying to solve a problem. Now they're embedded into the fabric of who you are in a very short window, which I find so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do say that across Bank of New York Mellon, there are about 13,000 technology workers. And of course, in our nine innovation centers, they don't hold all of those technology workers. But 
it the centers do become a hub right. where right. concentration of it. Yeah. yeah. Can really and Pittsburgh has one, which, which I think is so awesome because you're not just setting the, these things up in Cleveland. <laughs> I love Cleveland. I'm just saying, but like obviously Pittsburgh had to meet some some criteria, and we should put that kind of an investment here. I would have to assume. Absolutely, yeah. So the the innovation center really is um, perfect for the Pittsburgh uh, location of BNY Mellon because our population is actually the largest in the U.S. Um, employees wise, okay. and also um, our footprint of employees cover almost all of the major lines of business in the bank. Oh, so that's great. So do they cross pollinate with the other regions? Uh, absolutely. I mean. BNY Mellon is a global company, right. as you can imagine. When we're sitting on the floor, we can collaborate directly with the people who we are located there with, but right. we are constantly um, video conferencing and having collaboration with other centers and just other corporate locations in order to get our daily work done. And you get to run the thing. Come on, that's so much fun. How Every day I'd be How like, much- what am I going to do today? Yeah, absolutely. It's a real it's a real honor and yeah. I am really excited because I saw the connection right. between what I was doing, which was focusing on um, the client experience right, right, right. through the user experience group, but I saw this new opportunity as a way to expand that and apply it to innovation because we really look at innovation as not just innovation for innovation's sake. You're solving tough problems here. Absolutely, absolutely. And the only way we can really do that is by empowering employees to to really get to the bottom of our end user needs and make sure that they're able to deliver against those needs. You're missing just two things in this whole innovation center. That's Audrey and myself. You need some... Well, they have this really cool table that converts to one of the best ping pong tables I've ever played on. All right. Now we're talking. (laughs) And if you had been there last week, which we marked our two-year anniversary of opening the center, that same table was filled with about 100 pieces of cake to celebrate. Wow. It's a really special table. It is a great table, I know. That's that's what I call a multi-purpose table. (laughs) Cake and ping pong. So are you hiring... Um, so within the Innovation Center, um, there are always technology groups hiring within BNY Mellon. Okay, good. I can't say that we are specifically right, for but, the Innovation Center But today. we're still looking for technical mm-hmm. talent at BNY Absolutely, Mellon. Absolutely, yes. yes. That's great. Range of roles. Mm-hmm. Reminding our listeners, we're talking to Ashley Blanchetti from BNY Mellon, running up the Innovation Center here in Pittsburgh, way on the, what, it's like the top floor. No, we is don't have that good of a view. I thought you were at the very tippy-tip top It's not the top floor, but it's a great view. Okay. Yes, we have a great view of the the roof of, um, oh, what's the name of the building? They, it has the beautiful atrium on the inside. Oh, the, the uh, uh, Union Trust Union building. Trust building. Oh, that's, yeah. that is you can the, see that the, that the, the dome. View. You can yeah. see the dome from there. That's, yes. That's kind of gorgeous. I love it, man. That is just so exciting. Can we talk a little bit about some of the other companies you work with outside? We mentioned before that, like, the honeycombs of the world, things mm-hmm. like that. Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that we try to drive through the center is not just value for our clients and our internal employees. We really look at it as an opportunity for how we can engage with the Pittsburgh technology and nonprofit community. Uh, so recently we did uh, host Honeycomb, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. fintech based in Pittsburgh. Um, George Cook, who is a co-founder, brought part of his team, and they uh, – through some coaching with us and then uh, engagement with the usability lab, we had them run some usability tests with their potential end users. And they really you know, talked about how they gained a lot of value out of the feedback that they got from those sessions. 
and it will empower them to turn that right. feedback around and bring some enhancements to their product and their roadmap. How about interfacing with the community as well? Like I know like with like Inclusive Innovation Week, I mean, you guys are like this beacon of all this cool stuff that's going on in Pittsburgh. And obviously you kind of spread that out and try to connect into the community. Tell us more about that. Absolutely, yeah. So on April 2nd, we actually hosted the kickoff event for Pittsburgh's Inclusive Innovation Week. And the, the theme of that event was deemed uh, tackling the world's wicked problems. It wicked was a, problems? Yes, wicked problems. <laughs> Those are the nasty ones that yes. really hurt when they hit you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was really focused on social innovation challenges. Um, and we had a fantastic panel there. And they really shed a lot of light on the good that's being done in Pittsburgh, but also equally talked through some of the challenges that they face in, in addressing some of these really tricky problems in the city of Pittsburgh and how we bring more diversity and inclusivity into their efforts. That is so cool. They're Very, great cool. corporate citizens. I know. I'm just so proud to have you guys in town. Because it's like, you see BNY Mellon, you're not thinking tech company, but no, there's so much tech. You have your innovation center here. Like you said, there's 300 tech people in Pittsburgh doing that stuff. People need to know about it. That's why we're glad you're here talking to us about it. We've got about a minute or so left. Is there future. Anything? Yeah. yeah. What's the future? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about this year. So, you know, there are a lot of big changes coming, but I'm excited because we have a huge opportunity with the Innovation Center. Um, there are a lot of clients who are engaging with us these days, and we have a, a new um, kind of focus on how we can deliver against our innovation pipeline from the Pittsburgh Center. Um, so, you know, ramping up development work and uh, creating proofs of concept right, around right. new ideas that we've partnered with our business stakeholders on and really, you know, looking at it like an opportunity to vet out these ideas and fail fast, you know, not to use a, what might be a tired term, but no, it is true. important. You know, we need to make sure that if there are great ideas, we're giving them a shot. If they have legs, we're going to continue and push forward with them, Very cool. partner with the business to deliver. And uh, if they're not going to make it, that's our opportunity to say, we gave it a try. Right. Um, let's focus on something else. We, I'll tell you what, you are making Pittsburgh proud 100%. We're glad you were able to stop by yeah, here and tell us so all much. about this. Thank yeah. you. I'm so glad to have been involved. I, I really appreciate it. Where can that. we learn more real fast? If you could. So you can check out uh, bnymellon.com. There is a page dedicated to the Pittsburgh Innovation Center with some videos. Go there first. Go there first. Ignore everything else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can see uh, you know, videos of what the space looks like and, and see a little bit more about the strategy. Love it. And yeah, we got to wrap things up. Thanks for stopping by. Audrey, another tech vibe under the belt. I love ending on a super positive note like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Two years 100%. of BNY Mellon it's all about in their innovation center very much so hey we're bringing you more tech vibe radio next week in the meantime check out our website pghtech.org find out how for 35 years we've been helping tech companies succeed trying to have a good time doing that we'll see you on the air uh next week every friday we're here this is jonathan kirsting and this is audrey russo